right, welcome to another Pro Football Doc podcast, post-week 12 as we head towards week 13. A fun podcast today. Of course, the title is A Bird in the Hand is Worth Two in the Bush, or An Eagle in Hand, and we'll explain that. And in addition, we'll go over the Monday night game where the Eagles play a little bit. Also, I've spoken a lot about coach speak, where coaches aren't always forthcoming. We're gonna go through some examples of coach speak or really where coaches are sometimes very honest about what they're saying and why sometimes they have to be less less than honest. We'll go over some of our line movers where we were 6-0 last week. We have seven other line movers this week. We'll try not to talk very much about COVID at all because I think everyone is COVIDed out but the list is long in terms of what's going on. And the NFL is in a post-Thanksgiving hiatus, Monday, Tuesday, no one in the facilities to make sure there is no further spread. Hopefully the Tuesday game goes off. But let's talk about our eagle in the hand is worth two in the bush. What does that mean? Let me just say right off the bat here, none of this is being critical of the Philadelphia Eagles. None of this is being critical of any medical staff or what have you. All I'm doing is making an observation about a bird or eagle in the hand, sometimes is worth two in the bush. It's a hypothetical example. Look, I was a team physician in the NFL. Often I was judged or misjudged because people didn't have the facts, so I don't want to do that. But why does this come up? Because it's been a recurring theme And just this week, Lane Johnson put on injured reserve. Issues with his ankle surgery tightrope beginning of the season. It just never got right. His ankle is now collapsed. They're talking about, and that's his words, collapsed and uh, the thing. So let's go over Lane Johnson's situation first, and then we'll go through the bird in the hand. But Lane Johnson had tightrope surgery this preseason. And now, per his words, his ankle collapsed. I'm not sure what that means. And he's headed for more surgery. I wrote over a year ago that tightrope surgery is not the norm in the NFL. You've heard of all these high, high, high ankle sprains. This year, Jimmy Garoppolo. Last year, Saquon Barkley. A lot of big name players. They don't typically have tightrope surgery. This is the article I wrote previously for the San Diego Union Tribune. The ankle surgery on Tua Tagovailoa is not the norm. I'm not being critical of the Alabama physicians for doing it. And obviously Tua has done fine, but there's a reason why. One of the things we always say in medicine, don't be the first and don't be the last to have a certain procedure done. That, you know, that's not the way to do things. If you're the first, it might not be the best newfangled thing. If you're the last, it probably means it's outdated. But in any case, uh, Lane Johnson, his, he played 407 snaps but only finished two games. Ankle issues again and again, knee, then shoulder slash neck. He's now an injured reserve. I'm not saying it was mismanaged. I'm not saying his surgery didn't, wasn't done correctly or shouldn't have been done. But I'm saying there's lots of questions about the Eagles. And here's my biggest question, and back to the topic of bird in the hand, worth two in the bush. The Eagles won their one and only Super Bowl in 2018. This is after the 2017 season. 
in Minneapolis. It was fun for me to be there. I had knew some guys on the team. I, I was lucky enough to be part of media and be in the locker room and even went to their after party. I enjoyed the time there. Uh, some friends, coach on the team, play on the team, team, et cetera. Couldn't be happier. Let me tell you, it is unusual in the NFL to change your medical staffs. Although getting less unusual, it is unheard of to change your medical staff after you win the Super Bowl. I've never heard of that. What happened after the Super Bowl? The Eagles moved on from head athletic trainer Chris Beduzzi. They also moved on from head orthopedic surgeon Pete DeLuca. They also moved on from longtime, well-liked primary care internist Gary Dorsheimer. The doctors have been there like 20 years. Dorsheimer has treated a lot of players, DeLuca as well. I know all three of these to be excellent. I'm not saying the current Eagle guys aren't. Don't get me wrong. I don't know a lot of the current Eagle people, but I know them to be excellent. I mean, have you guys ever heard of coaching staff changes after you win the Super Bowl? I mean, only because they moved on to, to promotions to different situations. And on occasion, there's an, a, a change here and there. But have you ever heard of, after a Super Bowl, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and the quarterback's coach all being let go? Doesn't happen. Well, the head athletic trainer, the head orthopedist, and the head internist, the top three on the medical, all changed over. That's potentially a leadership void. Look, if you have a young quarterback, do you ever hire a first-time quarterback coach and a first-time offensive coordinator? No. You want a veteran quarterback coach. You want a veteran player behind him. You want to balance things out. Uh, look, the Eagles probably had their reasons. I'm not being critical of that. All I'm saying, it was unusual. And my point of bird in the hand or eagle in the hand is before you make any change in life, you should know what you're changing to. Before you get fed up with flying a certain airlines, you got to make sure there's another airlines that flies the same route nonstop that you want to do. Before you get rid of your gardener or your babysitter, you got to have the next one ready to go. I mean, some people might extend that to girlfriends and wives, but we're not going to go there. Uh, my point is, before you clamor that you don't like Mitch Trubisky, what's your re replacement? Do you like Nick Foles for the Bears better? What's your next move? You know, there's rumors now with Matthew Stafford with coaching change. Yeah, but before you get rid of Matthew Stafford, you got to figure out what's your next move. So that's the bird or eagle in the hand and uh, concept. And the game of NFL football is different. We've talked about it in a previous podcast. It's the only job in the NFL team position that requires no previous football experience other than the team owner, right? What we do in sports medicine on a football field with our feet on the grass is different than what we do in everyday regular life. So you could be an excellent physician, but you just can't, the transition is a little bit difficult sometimes. Uh, let's go over um, a couple of uh, things here um, in terms of the history since that. In that Super Bowl year, they were able to manage Alshon Jeffrey through his rotator cuff tear. And yes, Wentz tore his ACL, LCL. There's nothing they could do about that. But they got the team through and they won the Super Bowl. Then since then, there's been a 
slew of things. None of these am I claiming where any doctor did anything wrong, but there were three different medical staff changes since 2018. Prior to that, Dorsheimer and DeLuca were there for two decades. So turnover potentially means just that. They're look, still searching. So the bird in the hand concept, so to speak. In 2018, Jalen Mills was said to have a foot sprain, but then missed the whole season. Mac Hollins had an off-season sports hernia, then was on IR, missed the whole season. Morangos had an ACL, PCL, but that's a heart injury, has not come back. If you read some of Jeff McLean's work, he's documented some of the complaints and some of the issues from his perspective, and I'll let you read him and get his, as a beat reporter, uh, his perspective. There were some rumors about Sproles in the handling, but I will stay away from that. Those who watch the podcast know that I did Sproles' ACL surgery. I'm friends with him. He's been on the podcast. I'm not going to violate any confidences and say anything negative in any case or any insider information related to that. But the whole idea is even in 2018, there were a slew of complaints going forward. There was even some issue with Jay Ajayi, who was returned to the game and ended up having an ACL tear. The doctors did or didn't see him, but he did play with a brace later in the game, but then it turned his, turned out his season was over. Once again, don't know the details in any of that, not being critical, but I'm just saying um, you had some stability before and now there's been instability since. Uh, last year, there was a lot of criticism regarding Deshaun Jackson. Why didn't he have the sports hernia surgery early instead of resting? And those who follow along said, I kept saying, have the surgery, have the surgery, get back for later in the season. The rest isn't going to do it. And by the time they decided to have the surgery, his season was over. I get it when you see wide receiver Mac Hollins not do well from the sports hernia. And by the way, the sports hernias are not done by the Eagles physicians. They're done by a general surgeon. So I'm once again, not criticizing them. But there's just a lot of management questions that probably have very good explanations. But, you know, uh, Deshaun Jackson was a big discussion last year. And then uh, Lane Johnson now this year, uh, the offensive line uh, plethora of issues. The, the Eagles in 2018, the year after they changed, were second to last in adjusted games lost, a statistic that's out there. And they've been either had a lot of bad luck but they bring up a lot of these questions. My only point is, look, it's entirely possible the Eagles make no medical staff changes and they still have all these issues. So none of this is in relation to the doctors. I get it when the Eagles hired one of the Sixers doctors, the Eagles fans were a little bit in an uproar because the Sixers haven't had the best medical luck, but that's not on that doctor that they hired. So I am supportive of the doctors that are there. And I'm the one, like I said, who I've been criticized wrongly because people didn't know all the facts. So I'm careful not to criticize. All I'm saying is it is possible if the athletic trainer, orthopedist, and internist were still there, that they would still have all these issues. But it certainly brings up the question, you know, a bird in the hand, an eagle in the hand might be worth two in the bush. In this, in this case, there have been three other medical staff changes in the couple years since. So different is not always better. You have to see what you're going to get first before you move on. The Lions have made a decision to fire Matt Patricia, but who are they going to hire? Do they know? 
everyone thinks Adam Gase is going to get fired, but maybe the Jets are smart not to fire him until they know who they think their next head coach is. And so that's just food for thought. Uh, going to the Eagles again, Monday night football tonight. If you look at the profootballdoc.com website, just click this green button to sign up and uh, no credit card, just your email and a password. You know, uh, it can be your first name, you know, simple password. And you get into all this hover view. You can flip offense to defense. This is the Eagles game. And at first glance, you say the, the grade's not that different. But look at the Eagles' offensive line. They've gone the other way now. Lane Johnson now out. Jason Peters, questionable, back to, to taking Brandon Brooks' spot. He's been, uh, as someone else put it, three-card Monty being shifted all over the place. Andre Dillard's out. Jason Kelsey, who's been healthy, has issues. Samolu just came back. The offensive line issues with the Eagles are significant. So... Uh, we'll see how they hold up, but unfortunately, I think it's a downturn. Let's move on to topic two, which is honesty in head coaches. You know, I, I, I don't call them out, but I have pointed out that head coaches aren't always honest. There's coach speak, and I'm the first one to say that coach speak is indeed necessary. But honesty is sometimes refreshing. Let's look at... Uh, Coach Shanahan, uh, the 49ers are going to have to play their home games in Arizona. And it's not just the home games. It's the practices, too, because the Santa Clara County made this ruling. I'm not trying to get, be political. I don't know the COVID numbers in Santa Clara County. But Coach Shanahan, per Ian Rappaport, not very happy on Santa Clara's restrictions, booting them from home. Quote, we've been working with them as a partner trying to figure it out. For everyone to find out without them telling us, it was extremely disappointing. Coach Shannon has a point. I appreciate his honesty for his feelings. But then again, if you're a Santa Clara County official and you're trying to manage a pandemic, you know, the pro football team might not be tops on your list to let know what the new regulations are. So that's in fairness to them. But this is a huge deal. It's not as simple as announcing we'll play the two games in Arizona and they're going to help us out. Imagine you and your life on 48 hours of notice. We're going to have to live in a different city. They're going to have to practice outside of Santa Clara too. Family, kids, you know, just packing. Do you pack for four days? Do you pack for three weeks? Look, there are travel restrictions in California for going out of state. Some places say you need a 14-day quarantine after you travel. So how do you, let's say, practice in Arizona on starting Wednesday, play the game Sunday? Do you get to come home to San Francisco area? And then what do you do then? Do you get to come home and quarantine and then fly back? How does it work? There are a lot of moving pieces here. And, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch will manage them. But I appreciate Shanahan's honesty and saying, look, he's not very happy with that. Another coach that was honest uh, yes, to this morning is Vic Fangio. The Broncos and many people complain, why do the Ravens get their games pushed back, but the Broncos don't and have to play without a quarterback? Well, we said if it's a safety issue, the game gets pushed back, and the, Bronco, the Ravens had an outbreak. The Broncos, it was a compliance issue. 
they had Jeff Driscoll positive, and then the three quarterbacks weren't socially distanced. And so the NFL has said, we're not going to move games for competitive advantages or disadvantages, just for safety. And Vic Fangio, old school guy, Kyle Shanahan's an honest guy. I found him to be honest with injuries. And Vic Fangio, old school, honest, quote, I was disappointed on several levels that our QBs put us in that position, that our QBs put the league in that position. We count on them to be the leaders of our team, the leaders of our offense, and those guys made a mistake. Great honesty from Vic Fangio to go public with that. And uh, look, if, if Drew Locke and company, and I'm not singling them out, would have kept their masks on, the NFL would not have considered them high risk. Yes, if they moved the game to Monday, they could have played and come off, but the NFL has said we're not going to do that. And the unfortunate thing is, if they would have come clean on Thursday with what happened, they might have been ruled out on Thursday, and they might have gotten in some practice with that practice squad wide receiver or, or some more wildcat practice. Instead, they it was discovered on Saturday, and they were pulled out. So that's what made it very difficult. But refresh, refreshing to hear some honesty there. But sometimes it's necessary to not be honest. I'll give you an example. Mike McCarthy got roundly criticized from the Thursday Thanksgiving game for going for it on two fourth downs, deep in their own end zone and at midfield. Both of them he didn't make. You can maybe criticize play selection on the fourth downs. But what I think he honestly wanted to say is going into the game, I was saying the Cowboys are looking up. Their offensive line is looking up. Uh, they've, you know, righted the ship a little bit from their battered offensive line. But in by the second quarter, I had flipped. And if you saw my periscope, I said the Cowboys might not even score in the second half. They lost their left tackle. They lost their right tackle, who was moved over from guard. Their line was now a complete mishmash hot mess. And I think what Mike McCarthy didn't say and probably wanted to say, why he probably, and a lot of Cowboys fans had fired Mike McCarthy, but what he probably told Jerry Jones is, Jerry, what do you want me to do? We got a, a third string left tackle and a third string right tackle and all this mismatch on the line and injuries. We couldn't run the ball. We have to gamble to try and win the game. And, uh, but he's not going to come out and say that publicly. I had no offensive line and blame, blame his players. So that's part of the, uh, it's refreshing to hear honesty, but I understand why honesty isn't always the best policy for coaches. Uh, let's go to our line mover segment, just so you guys know, back to the website here. All the line movers are on the videos here on the right. You go to all the videos here. Uh, the, the podcast is here early recaps, but different line movers, Philadelphia versus Green Bay, based on the offensive line, Cleveland versus Tennessee. But if we go to, and a big one, Dallas versus Baltimore, where I believe Lamar Jackson will be back for week 13, New Orleans versus Atlanta. But last week, we actually had some pretty good line movers where we called that uh, the, the right direction of the Houston versus Detroit game. The Baltimore versus Pittsburgh game was at two and a half Pittsburgh and it moved to four and a half like we said it would, and then obviously it's jumped up even higher now because of the COVID. 
Uh, Washington, Dallas uh, moved in the right direction. So did Carolina and Minnesota, Giants and Cincinnati. We were 6-0. and So take a look at this segment, line movers. We have seven of them up this, this week for you. As far as the right and wrongs, I think we're going to skip through it a little bit this week because I don't want the podcast to be too long. Look, where I was wrong, let me just highlight. Austin Eckler came back a week earlier than I thought. Where I was right, Christian McCaffrey's still out through the bye and many more, but we won't bore anybody here. And the final note I'll give everybody here is the COVID changes. Um, you know, I found something interesting. I think everyone noticed the amount of masks on the sidelines, right, for players not playing in games, because that allows them to not be identified as high risk. And yes, uh, I'm not saying mask wear solves all, but mask wear does solve the NFL high risk close contact protocol. If Drew Locke and company had been wearing masks in their encounters with Jeff Driscoll, they would have played on Sunday, but they didn't, and that's why they were dinged. We talk about outdoor dining and outdoor meetings and staying away. One other interesting thing besides the mask that we saw is that uh, I saw some examples, and here was one right here when uh, Daniel Jones was being examined. I've never not seen the the doors to the blue tent closed. And in this case, when they were examining Daniel Jones, the tent was up, but they left the doors open. And maybe that was another, yes, they try and put on their masks when they go into there. Uh, I've seen that, but maybe this is another effort. And I like it because when I was in the NFL, I lobbied for these tents because there were occasions, whether a player needed to to pee in a little uh, urinal or bottle instead of running inside or we're wrapping a, a high hamstring or examining a groin or I mean some privacy right is a good thing but now I hate that blue tent so uh, you know be careful what you wish for right back to bird in the hand but before you get rid of one thing or make a change know what it means right in this case these cases I hate the blue tent so I hope they keep the doors open so we can see what's going on inside the blue tent and I can give you guys some better analysis in terms of what's going on. But that's part one of the Pro Football Doc podcast. An Eagle in the Hand was the title today. And uh, we'll have the injury rundown and a can't miss, you'll cringe in your seat uh, beast of the week as well in part two of the Pro Football Doc podcast. All right, welcome to another Pro Football Doc podcast. This is post-week 12 with Monday still to come and uh, pre-week 13. This is our injury rundown segment and closing off with a beast of the week. The beast of the week, we got a couple of nominations, but the winner is a good one. Uh, I think uh, all the guys in the audience will feel the pain on this one. All right, so the injury rundown here. And uh, before we start with the usual injury uh, rundown, uh, you know, where we go by positions, quarterbacks, and everything else, uh, I think, and please don't get mad at me for, uh, I'm not being political at all here. All I'm doing is, is, you know, the Joe Biden broke his foot and there was some, Thought about a list Frank or something he does not have a list Frank list Frank is for young guys heck I'm too old for to get a list Frank really he has 
more of an insufficiency type hairline fracture in the cuneiform bones. Uh, George Kittle has a cuboid fracture. I've told you he's going to heal and come back sooner than people think sometime in December and we'll cover him again here. But Joe Biden will be in a boot temporarily, will be fine, no surgery, uh, well ahead of the uh, January, I don't even know the date of the inauguration, he won't be in a boot, he'll be walking, not a big deal. So I guess that takes precedent over the quarterbacks. But quarterbacks, running backs, let's get going. Next up, first up, Daniel Jones. In game, I've always said to you guys, it's hard to judge a hamstring injury, right? Does someone pull up lame because of a cramp? Do they pull up lame the second before it really tears? Or do they pull up lame because it's a very significant injury? Daniel Jones, I think, is pretty darn tough. He tried to come back in the game. But in game, this is why I thought his hamstring was significant. I've told you it's hard to judge by video. And I stand by that degree. But let me tell you, when you're standing there throwing and you can't step into throw and you can't even effectively throw a ball, you have a significant hamstring. And that's what happened when Daniel Jones returned to the game. Forget the giraffe-like runs. I mean, he's actually a pretty good runner. I'm always worried he's going to get injured with those big, long strides and loping steps. He's fairly fast, obviously, but he's going to get taken out one of these days. But regardless... Let's just say he couldn't run. It's not about that. Let's say he can't slide in the pocket. It's not about that. He can't effectively step into throws. And so this is why Daniel Jones will at least miss this next week, if not more, and maybe more. And the Giants are in first place right now in the NFC East. And that's also why if you go to the line mover segment at profootballdoc.com, we made that an early line mover on Sunday night. As soon as Sunday night lines are posted, we go to some line mover stuff. And uh, we've had a pretty good track record on that last week, 6-0. and But Daniel Jones is not playing this week, is my thought. That's the breaking news here on the injury rundown with his hamstring. Josh Allen, the opposite. He injured both his ankles. Right ankle turned in, left ankle turned out. And uh, uh, Christian, who's doing the producing here, will tell you that... Uh, in game, as we were reviewing it, I said, guys, are like, we got to do something with Josh Allen. I said, by the time we do something, he's going to be back in the game. It wasn't anything. And he was, missed one play and came back. Yes, ankles can swell, but I don't see Josh Allen missing the next game for the Buffalo Bills. Is it possible he's limited in practice? It's possible, but Josh Allen will be fine. That's the good news. Gardner Minshew, he's been fine. I don't know why he's not starting at quarterback. You know, um, uh, you know, Doug Marone is the one who has to answer that question. Obviously, the GM can't answer the question right now. Um, but in any case, uh, that's a mystery. His thumb should be fine to play. I can't tell if he's playing this week, but his thumb is fine. Teddy Bridgewater, we're going to review some video again with the All-22. The camera cut away from his left arm injury. Everyone saw him holding it. He, could, he got off the, the, the uh, spike at the end, and they won the game with the field goal. But uh, I don't see it being significant. I'll go back and look at the All-22. He said he kind of got whiplash or something on the arm. I think it was a direct blow. It's his non-throwing arm. But more importantly, the Panthers have a bye week 13, the final week of byes this season. So with two weeks, I don't see how Teddy Bridgewater doesn't play and isn't fine. Kyler Murray played. Um, questionable how effective he was. 
I don't know that you can completely blame his shoulder. You can blame it some. He did run the ball some. His He didn't get a lot of passing yardage, but he didn't play poorly, but he wasn't a superstar. And is that partly a shoulder? Maybe. Is that partly a young quarterback with lack of practice? Maybe. But he'll be a week better this week, and he's not going to get shut down, and he's fine. Tua, another young quarterback with his thumb. No video because it was a practice injury. Left thumb, but that's his throwing thumb. I'm just glad we're not talking about his hip anymore. So that's the good news as far as Tua is concerned. Um, yeah, it made sense to me because here's a young quarterback who got installed when Ryan Fitzpatrick was hot. Why? Because the Dolphins' bye week got moved from 11 to 8, or they're, you know, they're coming off a bye. And so they gave their young guy two straight weeks of starter reps to get him into the flow. Well, if he can't really practice fully this week because of the thumb, why do you want to throw him out there? And the Dolphins are in the playoff hunt. I, I think they qualify right now for a wild card. And Fitz is very capable. Do you want a 100% Fitz or a 90% Tua? think you take a 100% fits right now for your team and what it can do. Also, remember, Tua got benched a little bit for performance. This gives him a deep breath. I'm not going to be surprised if he misses another week based on Mike Garofalo's report of swelling and pain. Thumbs swell, and obviously you need grip to be able to throw and spin the ball. I look at this as at least another week uh, where Fitz is the starter, but it's not a long-term deal. Drew Brees... Uh, still stand by middle December before the end of December. This regular season, he'll be back, but not this next week. And ironically, the Saints are 7-0 and without Drew Brees in the last two years. 5-0 and with Teddy Bridgewater when he missed the six weeks, five games plus a bye. And so far, Taysom Hill, 2-0. and uh, So there's at least a third game for Taysom Hill. And then we'll see uh, after that if uh, Brees can come back. Jimmy G on his ankle, I think, is getting close. I think there's a shot this week that he could return. Maybe next week is when I would say more likely. Nick Foles with his hip. You saw him on the sidelines. Like, is he the Nick Foles of old where he could run around like crazy? No, but he could have played in the game with his hip contusion, his glute injury. But he didn't. Listed as doubtful, not suited up. We told you last week it would end up being a coaching decision and the loser of the coaching decision would be termed injured, and that's Nick Foles. But interesting to see what happens this week now, if Nick Foles' injury will continue to bother him or whether they're going to go back to Nick Foles from Trubisky after that not-so-great Bears performance. And uh, uh, interesting that Matt Nagy has come out and basically talked about effort from his players in some ways that's blaming players but in some ways it's blaming the coach because if they're not playing for you but that's for another podcast running backs a couple of big running back issues here uh, the two biggest ones will be uh, josh jacobs and dalvin cook josh jacobs didn't look bad and we said in game that it was likely more due to the score. At the time, they were down 24 points early in the fourth quarter, and that it got worse. I think Josh Jacobs did return more from the score. I think it looked worse than it was. I think he could have returned to play. I think he will play this next week, maybe limited in practice, but he will play. Optimism on Josh Jacobs and his right ankle. 
and Dalvin Cook. I mean, everyone holds their breath on Dalvin Cook when he goes down, and and uh, it was more in a pile, so it was hard to see in a scrum. Um, we'll look at the All-22. But Dalvin Cook, like he is apt to do, came back and played. He did okay. So I think he'll be limited in practice this week and has a chance to play unless it swells up. We'll try and get some more information. But relative optimism on Dalvin Cook, optimism on Josh Jacobs, uh, pessimism on Philip Lindsay. Uh, twisted his knee. Is it an MCL or meniscus? He was ruled out immediately. I think Lindsay's going to miss some time here. Hopefully not the season, but he's going to miss some time. Uh, Todd Gurley. We've said all along, Todd Gurley is still an excellent running back. He's just not the bell cow anymore. And we've said this for two years. And Atlanta actually has been 15 to 20 carries with him this season. And he's been a little bit of a bell cow for them and it caught up to him and here we are late November he's missed a game he might miss another game we'll have to see uh, and that's where uh, the Atlanta and the Saints game might be a line mover for us too. check out that video at the website profootballdoc.com uh, and uh, who else uh, Jonathan Taylor uh, unclear whether he was positive for COVID or he was a close contact if Jonathan Taylor was a close contact, he will be cleared to play by the next time the Colts play. If he was positive, he should be out. Um, let's see. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. Every week, ask Chris McCaffrey. I am thrilled to be done with the Christian McCaffrey questions. The Panthers have a bye this week. Book it, mark it, Christian McCaffrey will play week 14 and be 100% and be full usage. That's what we've been saying. That's what happened with his ankle. They want to be careful with him. When the shoulder was hurt and there was the weekly, is he in or is he out? I said, don't be surprised if he's out through the week 13 bye. Don't worry, he'll be back week 14 for those that have him and need him for fantasy football playoffs. And it'll be full usage. And if you don't trust me, I'll trade you for him. No, just kidding. Um, anyways, um, Salvin Ahmed still missed with his shoulder. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, the uh, uh, Kalen Balaj missed with his ankle calf. And Austin Eckler stepped in and did pretty darn well, better than I thought. Running was okay, but he was a beast catching the ball out of the backfield. He came back a week earlier than I thought. Really, in week four when he was injured, they said four to six weeks. I said December. I'm off by a week. He came back quicker. And I think some of that was due to need because Kalen Balaj and some of the other Chargers running back bang, banged up. But he looked better than expected, so good for him. And uh, Tevin Coleman is on the verge of coming back. Raheem Mostert's back. Jeff Wilson Jr. back. DeAndre Swift, uh, obviously we need to take a look at him related to when his symptoms were related to his concussion but it's possible that he could return Joe Mixon is still on IR and I think his season may be done that's been an interesting situ situation with the Bengals last year AJ Green this year uh, Joe Mixon so let's move on to wide receivers Julio Jones missed with his hamstring I think there's a good chance he misses again which is why we uh, another reason the Saints in Atlanta Falcons games a line mover not to mention they got some offensive line injuries so we'll see if that happens and uh, uh, Calvin Ridley 
though, is fine. He was twisted up on his left ankle when his foot was in the air. It wasn't planted. It wasn't rolled up on. He came back into the game. Calvin Ridley will be fine. John Brown uh, is on IR for his knee, so he's another couple weeks before he can return. Adam Humphreys, couple straight, did not play due to concussion, so that's of concern. We'll have to watch that. DJ Chark should be able to come back from his ribs. Uh, hoping that Chris Connolly will be has a hip issue and can return, but the bigger one is Kenny Galladay with his hip. I think it's finally time for him to return. I have some cautious optimism this might be the week of course he'll be playing for a new head coach now but uh, and I'm not saying that's why he's going to come back but I think he finally might be ready with his hip fingers crossed here we'll have to look at the reports uh, DJ Moore I saw lots of speculation about an Achilles because he grabbed his calf I don't believe he tore his Achilles I don't believe his season is over went back and looked at video Yes, this is why we said last week, I believe, in the podcast, judge the injury, not the reaction. Everyone was thinking calf and Achilles because he grabbed at his calf, but that was really more to hold his leg, and he reached down because his hands were behind his legs on his calf, down towards the ankle. I do believe he has an inversion ankle sprain, and you can see it on the video if you slow it down. So with the Panthers by... My thought is DJ Moore misses no time this week because he's got a bye. Well, he might miss some practice time, but he's going to play next week, DJ Moore. So good news there, I believe. Uh, Julian Edelman is still cooking along with his uh, knee. we got to wait for his practice window. And uh, the, the Patriots obviously need him. Then we have our uh, COVID watch, right? Uh, Adam Thielen, Larry Fitzgerald, Willie Sneed. Sneed and Fitzgerald, I think, were positive for COVID. So they got to be at least 10 days. So there's likely a second game missed there. And uh, uh, it's unclear if Thielen was positive or not. He was positive. There may have been a negative. If he's considered positive, he's going to miss a second straight game for the Vikings. If not, he could return and come back. And uh, I almost forgot, going back to quarterbacks, the big one, and it's in the line movers. I know the Baltimore and Steelers game hasn't even been played on Tuesday. And if there are negatives, it will be played going forward. But looking ahead, since this is our look ahead for injury rundown, the game against the Cowboys that was on Thursday has already been moved to Monday. Based on my calculations for that Week 13 game, Lamar Jackson will get cleared from the COVID protocol barring a surprise. So based on the delay from Thursday to Monday, that gives Lamar Jackson enough time to play, and that's why that was a line movers for us as well. Uh, tight end, uh, Irv Smith with the groin is out. George Kittle, watch. I think you got to wait a couple more weeks before he fully returns. Offensive line issues, James Carpenter for the Falcons was going to miss some time with the groin. Anthony Costanzo is a big one for the Colts. That's been the strength of their offense. Their offensive line, they're, uh, unlike the Eagles and the Cowboys who've been just mishmashing, the Colts have been solid on their offensive line over the last couple of seasons. And uh, now Anthony Costanzo is out with his MCL right knee that we called in-game, and that's been confirmed that might be a couple of weeks for him. 
Ryan Kelly with his neck and COVID may not play either. They're center, so got to watch that. Uh, there's the usual smattering of uh, COVIDs on the offensive line. The Jets have some issues with Fant knee ankle, Adoga uh, ankle, etc., and Alex Lewis. Uh, and uh, the other big one is Packer center Corey Lindsley is going to miss some time with an MCL sprain. Not season ending, but going to miss some time. Defensively, Bryce Callahan with the foot is going to miss multiple weeks. That's a big one for Denver. Clennon uh, Farrell should be back from his COVID. Casey Hayward with his groin is still going to be questionable going forward, but Denzel Perriman for the Chargers with his back should be fine. Um, uh, Miles Garrett should be back this next week off of his COVID, but Denzel Ward is going to miss several weeks due to his calf muscle. So the uh, Browns cornerbacks, is, uh, cornerbacks are something to watch. The Cardinals defensive line is still injured. Akeem Hicks missed, as we thought, with his hamstring. Might miss another week, and that really affected the Bears up front last night with the Packers running game. Damon Arnett with a concussion. Jamar Taylor, I think, has a significant knee injury, maybe ACL, MCL. And uh, the Jags defense is still quite banged up. So that is our injury rundown here. And uh, we always close this segment with the uh, Beast of the Week. And uh, we've got two things here. One winner, and I'll give you a runner-up. Both of these players have been Beasts of the Week in the past. And both of these players have overcome a lot. And so I have a lot of respect for them. But here's the thing. And there's a lot of advances and hats off to the medical staffs on the teams, etc. We had two players. I don't think this has ever happened, but I don't think they carry, have stats for this. I'll show you the play here. So if we go here, I'll show you the play and live time. So this is the Thursday game. Alex Smith gets picked off by Jalen Smith. It's not the Smith the Smith deal here. But it's the fact that they both had foot drops and perineal nerve palsies. Alex Smith back, you know, throws off balance. There's Jalen Smith trying to picks him off. These are two guys whose careers were in question. So they've been beasts of the week before, but we'll make them uh, repeat runner-ups here. But Alex Smith was the right leg. You can see he doesn't really want to put pressure on it. Off balance throw. Jalen Smith, he's still got a hitch on the left side. He can't run full speed he gets chased down people are keeping up with him but he's still a beast but it's a it's, is it the perineal palsy play is it the foot drop football play i don't know but i thought this was pretty interesting there for um the uh beast of the week runner up but we have a different one here for the winner and this is what we teased going forward um the Here's the play. We'll let you watch it. Heath, the 35, gets hit friendly fire. We'll let the video speak for itself here as he gets up. And we'll show the play once again, and you can see why we're going to make him the beast of the week. By the way, NFL players don't wear cups. They don't wear cups because it affects your hips and how you flip your hips and open up, especially 
guys in the secondary. They don't wear cups. And uh, he's a beast because he shook that off and came right back into the game. But if you really look, the helmet goes right where it doesn't belong. And uh, for that, I think all of the male uh, listeners and viewers of the podcast can cringe and say, yep, that's the beast of the week. And really all NFL players, the fact that they play without cups was something that was a little bit of a surprise to me. And I think uh, a surprise to most fans. So anyways, uh, uh, that's the Pro Football Doc podcast for this week. Of course, there was the other feature segment and hopefully you watch that too. Thanks for watching and check out profootballdoc.com. New things every week going on the website and appreciate your feedback.